0: Hello and welcome to uh, our podcast for the Georgetown Literary Festival 2021. My name is Adriana Nordin Manan from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, and today I am the moderator for what promises to be a fascinating and riveting conversation um, called "The Page is Not Your Colony: Conversations on Decolonization in Literature." And today I am honored to be in the presence of our panelists. First is uh, Juvita Tatan Wan, the co founder and business lead for Tuyang Initiative in Sarawak, Malaysia. And next we have Nazri Bahrawi, a scholar of comparative literature, a writer and translator from Singapore. And then we have Mukoma Wangugi, scholar of literature, novelist, and poet. From Kenya and the United States of America. Welcome, everyone. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I think to start, I'd just like to um, maybe pose a question uh, to all of you. Uh, When we think about decolonizing and decolonization, I know it's a very, very big and grand term that almost means uh, it, it can mean many things, right? And depending on who you ask. So I would just like some insight from your own experiences of your work. Um uh, and, and areas of inquiry. Uh, let's put it that way. Uh, how does what does decolonizing mean to you, and how does it appear? What does it look like? Uh, in the work that you do, Nazri. Uh,
1: okay, thanks, Adriana, and I'm very happy to be here and very happy to share the platform with both my fellow panelists as well. So, for me, uh, I, I'm, I'm an academic uh, and I study uh, comparative I was trained in comparative literature, looking at Malay literature. Uh, so, I've been following uh, ideas on decoloniality for some time. Uh, and for me, uh, there is a difference between decolonization and decoloniality, uh, where, uh, where decolonization means, uh, to me, I take it to mean uh, the material kind of uh, responses. To colonization, uh, such as uh, you know, uh, the, re- the returning of land maybe to indigenous folks, stuff like that, right? The uh, coloniality, I-, I take it to be a bit more abstract. And in my work, what I do is I-, I think about the structures in place in my in my place of residence. So I live in Singapore, where the Malays are a minority. Which is very different from Malaysia, although we're just across the border, where the Malays are the majority. And uh, but the similar thing between Malaysia and Singapore is that we were colonized by the British. Uh, and I I believe so too in uh, in Kenya. I'm not so sure, but uh, I, I would love to listen from uh, and learn from Koma later. But certainly, what I when I think about the figure that uh, is thought to be the colonial, uh, you know, master that Singapore kind of. Uh, really celebrates his name is uh, Stanford Raffles, and when I think about Raffles, I think about the the kind of uh, cele- uh, the kind of reception he has uh, locally, and he has uh, uh, unfortunately in Singapore colonial colonization is more celebrated than than uh, rather than shun right. And so I've spoken to someone uh, two years ago when Singapore's commemorated its bicentennial kind of campaign since the founding of modern Singapore, tracing it all the way back to when raffles landed in, in the island. Uh, and I, I and I think uh, that person told me that in Singapore, uh, colonization is 60% good and 40% bad. Whereas I, I... Yeah, yeah, it's really strange. And someone like me, actually, uh, I, I disagree with that, certainly. I, I think that it's certainly a lot... Uh, I think it should be reversed and in fact uh, the kind of ratio uh, balance should be a lot more you know a lot starker but anyway when I think about decolonization I think about the structures and then the grammar and the morphology of of systems that are in place that are considered to be colonial Uh, and some of that uh, are, are shown to be in you know in education, in laws, and stuff like that. So when I, when I, what I try to do in my work uh, with regards to decolonization, and I'll end it soon, is that uh, it, it, taking inspiration from the roads must fall movement that started in South Africa, uh, I my my ideal situation would not be a Raffles must fall but a faffles must roll kind of movement, which, uh, which suggests a kind of change in the morphology, in the structure. So I'm interested interested in the abstract concepts of how we can decolonize our minds, uh, which I think is uh, uh, is, is actually uh, something that uh, 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 Gugiwa Watyongo has uh, kind of uh, started and suggested a long time ago. And I think that that still holds value in a place like Singapore. So I, I think I'll stop there and, and hear from the rest.
0: Thank you, Nazri. How about Juvita?
2: I've always had a kind of a bit of struggle talking about this, mainly because uh, I think for us here, it took us a while to to realize um, the uh, the effects of uh, colonization, or however we wanna we wanna uh, deem it, uh, because even in I think it's similar to to what Najib ex- expressed earlier. It's uh, even in Sarawak, you know, we we look back in fondness to what uh, the the white Rajas had had done for Sarawak, you know, and we've never, and you know, we've got films celebrating that, <laughs> films that's made in Sarawak to celebrate that, and it's something that for uh, the indigenous communities here, I think we have not necessarily grasp, um, the, the effects of it, of it yet. Um, there is some understanding now, like, um, I think the folks in, in my generation can, can kind of take a step back and, um, a lot of times it's attributed to saying like, you know, if if they weren't here, we wouldn't have our English-based uh, education and therefore we won't be able to have this language that we can now um, articulate the challenges that we're facing and whatnot. Uh, but I think it's also about being able to look back and, and see what are the deeper rooted challenges or problems that have, have come into play in Uh, the practice of our indigenous languages, you know, for example, or the deals that were made during uh, the formation of the Federation of Malaysia, for example, you know, and these are things that, um, uh, you know, because of the whole uh, national uh, nationalization policies that came into play. uh, We as indigenous people don't have access to, to learn our own indigenous languages as formal, um, formal languages to learn in school. So that has put us in a in a major disadvantage now in 2021, um, kind of reflecting how a lot of us who are now urban-based um, are getting further and further away from our own communities and cultures. And I think uh, that is something that we are now trying to remedy in, in the work that we do. Um, and if anything, it's more about thinking deeper about uh, what's next? You know, we can't change the circumstances of the past, but what can we do now at this juncture with the tools that's given to us if it's from the colonial powers that be? But you know, thank you very much. now, what can we do next? So uh, yeah, I think that's that's kind of where i'm I'm thinking at this point.
0: Thank you, juvita. You know, I had this fleeting thought when you. Uh, mentioned that bit about they gave us English education it reminded me of what I've heard where they said if it were not for the British you wouldn't have such good railway tracks and I was like I don't <laughs> know I'm not so sure if it was ben- benevolence you know that 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 undergirded that uh, thank you uh, Mukoma. yeah sure
3: yeah um, yeah so so a lot of what, yeah a lot of what, of what you guys have spoken about resonates with me obviously right. Um, you know because kenya was a british colony right and uh and we have the same language questions right you know should we be writing in english or african languages and so on and so forth um yeah but uh yeah so anyway so so for me the whole the, the whole question about language i just go back to one moment right where um there's this scholar called um adam beach where he talks about the english metaphysical empire right and how we all end up in this english metaphysical empire and it goes back to Samuel Johnson <laughs> it goes back to Samuel Johnson and his dictionary and the whole thing of uh, of uh, of standing, uh, standard uh, standardizing english it, it's, it's essentially cleaning up english from its various dialects uh and then um yeah and and, and then, then 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 giving us this language that becomes a, the the imperial language that we are all dealing with today right english metaphysical empire yeah. So, and, and 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 for me as a writer, it, it does it does pay me a lot, right? Because I can see the costs of being part of the English metaphysical empire, right? Uh, because then I don't access all the, all the, the first, all the literatures that existed and still exist in African languages, right? B- because the privilege now is English, right? You know, so all the, all, all these other knowledge systems containing African languages are absent um but then also um as a scholar because um there was this writing, there was all this writing that was happening in african languages right before before Chino Achebe, before goge there was this body of work that exists in uh let's say early south african writing and Amharic, uh, let's say i'm haric literature and so on and so that's that's just absent right you know so how can I then, as a writer and a scholar, talk about uh, having a literary tradition if <laughs> I mean if I can access most of it, right? Um, but I'm also interested in the questions of um uh symbolic versus material decolonization, right? And this is brought about by the book I'm working on now on Africans and African Americans, the, the the relationship between Africans and Black Americans and you know, and then, and then just going back to questions of slavery, right? You know, there's, a, there's, a, there's an awareness now of, of, of uh, questions of blackness in the U.S., you know, following the, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, right? Yeah, but I'm still interested in questions of, okay, I mean, the slaves had to come from somewhere, right? You know, so what happened to those communities where slaves were being taken from, right? And what, what, what responsibilities do these nations that gain so much wealth Right, they yeah, are like a responsibility to them to those spaces where slaves were taken from, and so on and so forth. Yeah, but more immediately though, <laughs> but more immediately, uh, we changed the, the English department's name here. You know, so before it was the English department, and now, and now the name is um, Department of Literatures in English. Right, uh, I should say here at Cornell. Right. Um, and the whole idea was that already that's what we are doing when we look at our curriculum you know as, as teachers here we are teaching literatures in english we're not teaching english literature and then of course the other one is just seconding back to the idea that yeah that you know that it can't be going back to the, to, to the idea of decolonization that it can't be oh here is english literature and then giving, giving us giving everybody else just a small space in, 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 the, in the english literature tent yeah so yeah, then I can talk more later about some of the other stuff I'm doing as well.
0: Yeah, that would be great. Thank you so much, Mukoma. Mukoma, I do have uh, one uh, quick question before I uh, move on. Um, I The little bit I know about uh, East Africa, well, Kenya and uh, its immediate neighbour, Tanzania, is that uh, at independence, uh, both countries mm. took very different tracks with regard to language. I believe Kenya mm. was definitely purposely uh, took on English, more prioritised English, if you can put it that way well, Tanzania uh, was uh, emphasized Kiswahili. And Mm -hmm. uh, I was wondering, do you have an opinion on how that has um, maybe uh, created certain dynamics in terms of which country is more like preferable Mm -hmm. or like attractive uh, to outsiders or investors? And and I will admit Mm -hmm. I'm asking because uh, that dynamic really makes me think about Malaysia and Singapore sometimes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because if you put, if uh, Malay is Swahili in our case, and English, well, is English. Um, people do say mm. I still hear lamentations of like, "Oh, but your English is not good enough in Malaysia." Like, why would they do that? I mean, among many other yeah. things, of course. So, I don't know what's it like culturally. Maybe some insight would be would be nice for us to hear.
3: Yeah, first I would say you know capitalism will speak the language of of, of the people, right? You know? you know, you know what I mean, like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, just just maybe to to get to this uh, through a different angle. Um, I I met I, at at some point I was a, I was a visiting professor at, 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 uh, in my hometown in Kenya, right? You know, mm-hmm. So I was back in Kenya, and um, it was a Catholic university, so they had a a Bible translation center, right? Yeah. So and and their motto, you know, their 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 anthem, if you will, is that uh, God speaks to you in your language. Like God is not going to come and speak to you in Latin, and so on and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. So and 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 I think I, I think the same thing for capitalism. Mm-hmm. Right, so capitalists will learn Kiswahili and speak you, That's what's being spoken. Um, but with that said, though, because of the, I'm, I'm the co-founder of the, um, the Kiswahili Prize for African writing, right, and yeah. uh, African literature, and and that has shown me like it's, it's almost like having a front seat into the language question, right? You know, because. Mm-hmm. Of course, the, the Tanzanians always do better than <laughs> you know than the Kenyans. So, so the prize is the prize is open to all East Africans, right? Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because in Tanzania they use Kiswahili, mm-hmm. right? They use Kiswahili, then uh, then of course you know we we end up with more winners from uh, from Tanzania. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, but also there's uh, there's also another lesson here, which is that um, it, it's about language equality, right? You know, so. And, and there is a danger of Kiswahili becoming an imperial language, right? You know, so it's, so it's, so if if we promote Kiswahili at the expense of other languages, then essentially we are re- replicating, uh, we're replicating what we've done with common. English. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 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 I, I like to be conscious of that. Even as yeah. even as I'm promoting Kiswahili, I want to be mm-hmm. conscious of um, I don't want Kiswahili then to eat up my language, you know, which is mm-hmm. ekoyo <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's that's. No, that, that, that's a very sobering reminder, actually. Um, and it's a good segue. Uh, Juvita, uh, just thinking about the idea of colonialism as maybe ex- extraction and as uh, sending signals, right? Of which, uh, cultures and liter- literary traditions are worth, uh, uh, saving or, or retaining. Um, I'd like to hear more. Maybe you could share about the work that Tu Young does. I know you published, uh, Uh, stories from the different Indigenous communities. And is there anything anything that you'd like to share about how uh, you guys frame it or approach uh, your work vis-a-vis the oral literatures of the Indigenous communities?
2: Yeah, and uh, I think the project that we did, uh, Dayak Law, was just uh, a very simple, uh, put-together project, uh, mainly because of uh, the year that was, because of covid um, and it started just as as we were we were not being able to go out and do our exhibitions and uh, tour uh, with our our performing arts uh, sec- section of, of um, our our team. And we were thinking to ourselves, you know, uh, the team and I were all separated. We were also not um, not advised, obviously, at that time to meet with our elders and whatnot. And we were exploring you know what what can we do in this time when it's 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 covid numbers it's just you know everything just seemed to be doom and gloom um and we we started talking amongst ourselves and and said that you know what um perhaps let's try talking about uh let's 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 use this time to maybe share some stories that we've heard from our our grandparents you know um because our teams made up of um, young people from mm-hmm. from different uh, different uh, Indigenous groups yeah. and we had uh, some stories that are similar some stories that are different and that was a great time for us to kind of uh, reflect on those stories and look at commonalities as well as differences and um, we started sharing them as, as uh, little blog pieces on our website and um, they were then questions like, "Hey, you know, you are, you guys should really consider putting this as a book," and and that was that was never really something we we thoroughly thought about. Mainly because of the way the stories have always been transmitted. It's always been um, part. We're, we're a huge uh, oral tradition uh, community, so we never really thought about it that way, and we felt like we, we might not necessarily do it justice because uh, we. Wouldn't know how to how to express it in in the context of how we were taught. We were we're part of the national education system and the, the Western model of mm-hmm. education, right? So, the methods that we hear the stories, mm-hmm. we really sometimes question like, are we doing it justice? You know, when we put it down to paper, and mm-hmm. so we struggled with that for quite a bit. And um, but we tried, we tried. Mm-hmm. So the stories were were. Um, um, were captured in its in its original language, and the team and I thought about how how we can best express it, and um, we had to then do it in a simplified way for uh, uh for the English language again, so that we can reach out to a wider audience and not just um, for the masses, but it was also for our own urban indigenous communities who may have missed these stories because they have now moved from the, uh, the rural areas into urban centers and they don't get to spend time with their own elders. So some of them are, are actually rediscovering that as well. Uh, so, so yeah, that, that project was truly <laughs> accidental. Mm-hmm. If COVID didn't happen, I don't think it would have necessarily happened yeah. uh, so soon, I, mm-hmm. I didn't think. Uh, but, yeah, that's something that we are definitely... Um, learning where we learned through that process and we're now even learning how can we best um, teach or um, or to teach our, our own communities our own indigenous languages using um, different methods that 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 uh, suit the tools of the time you know and because we can't we obviously cannot necessarily uh, go back to the model of how how we learned it yeah. how can we how can we make uh, the most out of the tools that we have right now. So, yeah,
0: that's the little story about the the, the book Dayak Law. Thank you, Juvita. Uh, Nazri, speaking about books, um, recently uh, an anthology of speculative fiction from Singapore uh, was uh, published and uh, you had a big part to, to play in it. And I my question for you is uh, because there's a, uh, an extract uh, from an interview, I believe, where it said that uh, just that question of speculative fiction and the Malay language as a language of a minority community, um, do they sit uncomfortably? Is it just an unexplored terrain? Um, anything that you'd like to share, uh, we'd love to hear it about that, that dynamic uh, as, a, as a window to just getting to know a bit more what, what's going on in, in Singapore.
1: Uh, yeah, thanks for that question. So the anthology that you speak about is called mm-hmm. Singapura Pura. And of mm-hmm. course, Singapore is actually the Malay name for Singapore, uh, mm-hmm. and Singapura Pura is a wordplay on the idea of an imagined community singer, meaning lion, and Pura Pura in Sanskrit, meaning actually not Sanskrit, it's actually in Malay, but derived mm-hmm. from Sanskrit as well, meaning to imagine. So to imagine a, a kind of island, right, which mm-hmm. is basically uh, you know very Benedict Anderson, the nation is an imagined community, and mm-hmm. Singapura Pura is really captures that kind of philosophy, and so. Um, what is interesting about singapore is that while uh, the malays are a minority and 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 earlier i said that they were a minority but uh, you know they are also thought to be indigenous to mm-hmm. uh, to to the uh, at least to the region right and this is very different from malaysia because malaysia still has pockets of indigenous community that mm-hmm. are very uh, that are you know that are quite strongly uh, uh, you know, like as, as uh, Ju, uh, Juvita said earlier, that are quite uh, you know strongly in their community. Whereas in Singapore, we do not have that indigenous community as much. We have the Orang Laots and we have a small group of Orang Laots, meaning the sea people basically, that mm-hmm. are kind of, uh, you know, they are part of the Malay race, but not quite, you know, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so there's been a lot of dynamics between minority, uh, majority, as well as indigeneity. And, and so the Malays are right at the heart of it. Uh, and so this is the interesting part. So w- one of one part of that expression is the national language. Singapore's mm-hmm. national language is Malay, right? But it's a primary mode of uh, ed- 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 the language of education is English. So you get a, a very different dynamics where the national language is taught as a mother tongue language or a second language in schools, mm-hmm. and this has led to a situation where the Malays themselves are today uh, no, do not have uh, do not possess strong mastery in the language. Uh, mm-hmm. And this has ha- already happened to the Chinese majority in Singapore, but the Malays are following suit. And so, uh, as I was thinking about what uh, Juvita said about how uh, the younger generation uh, are tr- now connecting by way of uh, a kind of rehashing of old traditions. In Singapore too, this book, Singapura Pura, that I edited actually uh, was something that I see as a means through which m- younger Malay Singaporeans mm-hmm. can connect to the culture, but also to the language because they're losing mastery in it. So mm-hmm. the way I go about doing it is that the book is, uh, you know, has stories that are originally written in English, and there are stories that have been translated. I've translated the story from Malay, but in my translation, I've left uh, certain uh, phrases, certain words, yep. uh, just as, as they are. I don't, I, and I don't use footnotes to explain them later. I do uh, include a glossary at the end of the book mm-hmm. to help, uh, you know, maybe non-Malay speakers or even Malay speakers to uh, refer to them. But you know, I, I feel like it's important to just retain that sense of alienation, uh, mm. so that people struggle for the meaning. Because I think one of the rewards of reading a book is not just to you know find out the story, but to find meaning as well. And so and so that's uh, the strategy that I I, I did. So I, I I see I see that as decolonization mm-hmm. in a metaphorical sense of the word, because then they they get to you know experience and and, and inhabit their worlds that they could have inhabited if not for uh, you know the the uh, English hegemony, right? The Anglophone right. hegemony. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. Definitely. Uh, thank you, Nazri. And I'm just curious, like, what have what have been like some responses you've received from readers, both from the Malay community and without, yeah. So
1: uh, Singapore has this very interesting. Uh, I don't know if it's also in Malaysia and Kenya, but certainly Singapore has a, a very strong community of bookstagrammers. So I I've, okay. I've been following the bookstagrammers review of books. And with mm-hmm. Singapura Pura, uh, I, I've got a, uh, quite a fairly good response from uh, bookstagrammers who do not know Malay. And, and they, mm-hmm. they, they say, that, you know, they, they admit that it's so difficult to get into culture because they're not from that culture. But it's been rewarding mm-hmm. because, uh, mm-hmm. of course, the book is a, 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 an anthology of speculative fiction. And what we do is yeah. we try to speculate worlds that are different from the worlds that are, that are you know, in Singapore, which is, you know, loving the colonial masters, and as well as mm-hmm. other things, so we we speculate worlds that the minorities dream of, that the you know minority indigenous community in a way, uh, dream of, and so these are worlds that are uh, that are very different from what would be have been speculated by the majority, what the Chinese majority, and most speculative fiction yeah. writers from Singapore are the, are, are Chinese uh, folks, right? Mm-hmm. And so you don't hear narratives from the Malay minority folks, and this is a, a, mm-hmm. a kind of correction or corrective or maybe expansion of. Of that kind of landscape. And that's how I see us, you know, kind of challenging colonial structures, which is hegemonic, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Nazri. Uh, Mukoma, let's talk a little bit more about the Mabati Cornell Kiswahili Prize. Um, I know you mentioned earlier that uh, so far the the Tanzanians uh, have, have, have come out uh, at, at, the, at the forefront, let's say, in terms of winning the award, the prize. But well, I was just curious, that what are some of the themes that they write about? Because I think you have a focus on uh, science fiction, right? Or I might, I might mm-hmm. be wrong.
3: Yeah. So we did have, um, we did have a. It, it, that was just a one-off, mm. right? It, just a one-off for science fiction, right? For short stories, uh, the, the nyabola nyabola Mabati is Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, but I but I I I wanted to go back to the question of translation, right? You know, because yep. it's so central to
0: definitely, yep.
3: uh, to everything, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think it's it's Google who says, or maybe I might have, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> who says that, <laughs> you know, that, that, that translation is where languages like languages meet on an equal basis, right? You know, lang- so it's only th- it, it, when in translation, then all languages are equal. Mm-hmm. Um, so and we have tried to have a component of the. Uh, of, of 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 translation from Kiswahili into English and so on and so forth. Yeah. But 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 because but but because you know African languages are so undervalued. Anyway, this is my thinking. Anyway, right? Yeah. They're so mm-hmm. undervalued. It's been virtually impossible to get funding. Mm. Uh, to get funding from anywhere for 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 the translation from Kiswahili into into mm-hmm. in, into English. Um. So so there's that material question of yeah. You know, as much as we want to t- t- talk about translation, right? Uh, how 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 will we be able to well to pay for it right yeah, yeah but I'm also interested in in translation in terms of th- the theory aspect mm-hmm. so like how how is uh, translation different when you're translating from an African language into English right yep. or from let's say English into into an African language or European mm-hmm. language into an African language uh, but and but how is translation different when it's between or amongst uh, African languages, right? Yeah. So a more like horizontal, democratic meeting of, of African languages. Um, mm-hmm. There are these young guys and, you know, and, and and maybe this is something we should discuss, like how, how different generations have reacted to the language question. Of because it seems to me for the younger people, they don't have the same, they don't have the same hang up, you know, that my generation has, for example, when it comes mm-hmm. to uh, to African languages, right? So they embrace them. So one of the one of the things that has happened um, uh, is that uh, some of the younger writers have took a story written by Gogé, originally written in mm-hmm. Uh and they took that story, and now it's been translated into over a hundred languages. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, That's a great. lot of them African, right? You know, mm-hmm. so yeah. So, so I don't know. Yeah. So so I guess okay, decolonization and and languages and translation. I think that the real innovation. Mm-hmm. will be looking at let's say between uh, translated between African languages. That's why you're gonna get new theories. That's why you're gonna get new adventures and so mm-hmm. on and so forth.
0: Thank you for that. Um, but yeah I was I I, I, I can't uh, rein in this curiosity about like the themes. What are the general themes that you oh, that yes, have been so, coming yeah, in yes, yeah, so, the stories? Yeah.
3: Yes, yeah, so I, I, I'm feeling a bit reluctant to answer that, right? You know, okay. No, 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 because we we always talk about African literature in terms of themes, right? In terms of oh, themes. Oh, okay. In
0: terms of themes. Mm. And um, that's that's insightful in itself. So yes, thank you yeah, for that.
3: Yeah, no, mm. but yeah, but but there will be the usual. On, on the other hand, though, to be fair yeah. to you, there will be the usual themes. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: I I wasn't making any assumptions. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, so
3: yeah, it's, yeah so i i don't know like urban tales uh yeah. of course questions around love mm-hmm. uh questions around corruption uh and so on and so forth yeah mm-hmm. so so yeah yep um yeah so i i would I, I would say and maybe this this is a fascinating thing which is when mm-hmm. you read um okay so so the ways in which writing in african languages that mm-hmm. that literature is not seen as part of the literary tradition mm-hmm. Right. uh in in the same way I mentioned early South African writing it's not read as part of our African literature right because everything begins with Chinua Chinwachebe or Goge okay but it's interesting yeah. though when you read them as part of as part of as part of the literary tradition and then you just yeah. realize that it's you know it's just an organic part of a, yeah. of a literary tradition and it's our losses mm-hmm. right it's our loss you know especially for us as writers and scholars not to look mm-hmm. into that
0: yeah. Um, Pamukoma no, I thought I thought that was very interesting when you said and, and it hadn't occurred to me so so mm. so so I think this is great where you did say that we always talk about African literature in terms of themes um so I don't know is there are we is there something to be said about pushing back mm. uh, against structures that maybe the international literary publishing mm. industry has imposed on us this whole idea of you must have themes and uh, yeah like yeah. you if you're not from, you know, North mm-hmm. America, Europe,
3: um, yeah. But also, you know, to be fair, I mean, we're the ones also who have, um, you know, mm-hmm. like when you look at, let's say, East African publishing, right? Mm-hmm. We took this framework from British uh, colonial publishing, where it was all about educational books. And I don't know if it's the same thing with in, in, in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but we took this model, right? And so all the books now have to be, uh, you know, like and, uh, have to go to the to the schools to be read and so on and so forth. So we took yeah. this model, mm-hmm. uh, meaning that uh, we haven't been growing independent, uh, independent publishing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. and and that's to our detriment as well. Then also inherited the the the, the idea of what what are aesthetics, right? You know, so. Mm-hmm. We hold the same aesthetic, you know, aesthetical aesthetic standards, you know, the, yeah. you know. Of the, this is how we end up with minor and major literatures and so on and so yeah. forth. Yeah.
0: Mm. Uh, thank you, thank you, Mukoma. Um, Juvita, I was I was very interested in what you said earlier because I definitely got the impression that uh, a, a question of gaze came to mind, where it seems that your ideal, or I don't know, yeah, like a, 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 an audience that uh, you prioritize is uh, the younger generations uh, of Indigenous peoples in Sarawak uh, them, itself, right? So they can learn, because I know there's been generational changes of of migration out of uh, the, the longhouses, for example, and what that means in terms of uh, maybe cleaving a little bit or fraying a little bit the connections to home cultures. Um, so I was just wondering, um, what is the thought of um, having those works uh translated into let's say malay and then like making sure uh more malaysians get to read it uh, get to read the stories that like, is that something that necessarily drives you guys um in your work or it's not even that like I, that's not even hitting the right note for me uh to ask that question
2: well i think the the reason behind why we wanted to do it uh was two prong mm-hmm. so the first one is definitely to, to reach out to, um, our own, um, the younger generation mm-hmm. who are already in this, in this, uh, who, who grew up in that, the national education system and yeah. already were disconnected from, mm-hmm. from, um, their own, uh, stories, their own communities. Yeah. So this is a soft, uh, like, a an easier way for them to access those stories, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, it, even if they don't go back to the longhouse uh, anymore, mm-hmm. or you know, uh, but there is some connection that they can still build uh, mm-hmm. with the understanding and and um, uh, the language that they now use, you know, in, yeah. in urban centers, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that part. And then the second the second prong was more about um, showcasing to uh, it's kind of uh, introducing to the wider community about our stories in uh, in in a way that I think across cultures, we all have a form. We all started in folklores. We all started mm-hmm. with, with uh, moral, sto- uh, moral stories. And mm-hmm. I think uh, bringing that back is also kind of reminding everybody that as our our Indigenous communities, especially in, in East Malaysia on the Borneo Island, um, has uh, is not as mainstream or known mm. in wider Malaysia. I think mm-hmm. this is one of those simpler ways to to tell to remind everyone, mm-hmm. including um, how we were taught uh, folklores about Sankanchil dan Boya. You know, yeah. and, like we learned that in school growing yeah. up. But mm-hmm. um, and but we don't get to hear about um, our our different communities and their stories and their mm-hmm. versions of a Sankanchil dan Boya. You know, mm-hmm. so. This is just a, like a simple reminder that uh, our our stories actually all come all stem from from this this uh, basic um, uh, purpose of, of uh, teaching the young of imparting mm-hmm. um, knowledge in in simple in, in very simple ways you know so that's that's how I see um, the the basic purpose behind it really. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And uh, just I was curious because I know you, you've spoken before of how uh, you're from Sarawak, but you did spend quite a bit of time in peninsular Malaysia. And I'd just like to hear just maybe a little bit about just that sense, if there was any sense of like, wow, uh, what is being taught as Malaysian is perhaps not as comprehensive as, as I would like, uh, given uh, given my background, uh, for example. Like, were there any, any any moments of that or any reflections maybe you'd like to share?
2: Yeah, because uh, again, because of um, uh, you know Malaysia being a relatively young country lah, I would say right, yeah. um, and and the policies that came into play. Uh, obviously, we were still in in nation building mode, and mm-hmm. you know when the national cultural policy in 1971 kicked in, it was it was a whole different uh, purpose of yeah. of our education and and how it was molded, and I think a lot of it. Uh, was centered around uh, around uh, West Malaysia that that there isn't much um, inclusion mm-hmm. of East Malaysian history yeah. and and its people. You know, mm-hmm. I think in the whole history books, I remember in in primary school, secondary school, um, there was literally I think like one chapter about mm-hmm. Sabah and Sarawak and its mm-hmm. people, and it's not reflective of of um, the, the the diversity of our island alone, yep. what mm-hmm. more the wider Malaysia. So uh that in itself put us in a put us East Malaysians in a in a in a place where we're like, wow, we really know Malaysia through the peninsula Malaysia lands, but mm-hmm. people in peninsula Malaysia don't know much about yeah. us in East Malaysia. And that's mm-hmm. why there's often this feeling of a of a divide yeah uh, you know where we can go to uh, peninsula malaysia and blend in but mm-hmm. folks from peninsula malaysia often thinks of east malaysia as this place in some mm-hmm. some dreamlike space and you know mm-hmm. people are always in loin cloths and uh, fro- flowing through the rivers you know it yeah. it always comes across that way uh so yeah i think that's that's happening uh that happened and i think we we we're definitely seeing a shift, yeah. um, but I, I I honestly think that there is a lot more room to to uh, that needs to be uh, given to to East Malaysia to to uh, share the challenges that we faced over mm-hmm. uh, what is it now like fifty eight years yeah. uh, as as uh, from independence Sarok uh, mm-hmm. and and. Uh, it's it's something that we really need to relook as as a country, I think.
0: Um, I completely agree. Me, um, Kuala Lumpur born and raised, uh, I definitely feel that as well. And I think um, other than catching myself, like my own ignorance, for example, in my case, um, it's just like a real deep curiosity of like, wow, the things that I was taught before, uh, you know, in history class, uh, perhaps was, I mean, was not, it's been proven as... Uh, Uh, Expansive as inclusive uh, as it could be. Um, Okay, so now I just I'd like to ask. I think in in closing, uh, I'd like to ask each of our panelists. Maybe we'll start with Nazri. So let me put the scenario out. Like, what is your um, uh, your message or a few words you have to share to with readers and writers who want to be a bit more um, aware and be more, I guess, sensitized and uh, proactive in addressing this question of Uh, decolonizing in literature like what would be you know just your uh, personal like advice or messages for them
1: yeah thanks thanks for that um I I, it would be remiss of me not to mention that uh, the panelists that we've assembled today signifies I feel like a return to the Bandung conference of 1955 Mm -hmm. a kind of Afro-Asian affinity I felt that there was a kind of uh you know kindred spirit at a moment in time that was <laughs> very euphoric and then suddenly it stopped for a long time and, and I, I wish that we go back to that kind of euphoria a little bit, you know? So yeah. my advice, if anything, right, is to just read widely and to connect to traditions. Just now Mukoma talked about aesthetics and how our aesthetics come from, you know, uh, a literary centers usually in the global yeah. north, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like, I don't know about the term global south, I have my reservation about it, but certainly a kind of Afro-Asian kind of solidarity, affinity, maybe looking across, looking at, you know, Traditions such as just now Juvita mentioned, folklore, you know, uh, how how we define beauty and how we were, of course, you know, all suffering from the same, you know, uh, yep. you know, uh, 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 idea of uh, of colonization in, in in itself. But for me, I'm really interested in the pre-colonial and the pre-modern, uh, mm-hmm. and and how that connects and how you know that can lead into the modern, the present, and I I yeah. really. For me personally, I read quite widely. So I read a mm-hmm. lot of uh, Arabic literature actually in translation. Mm-hmm. I'm still mm-hmm. learning Arabic. Okay. But but I do want to, I think because of that, my sense of aesthetics maybe maybe mm-hmm. slightly differs from my uh, peers who are in you know English department. So I see myself yeah. more in the department of literatures in English or even mm-hmm. Asian literature. And I mm-hmm. hope maybe in the future, we have department of Asian and African literatures uh, yeah. in Singapore. That would be mm-hmm. great, you know. Uh, so uh-huh. so that would be my advice. Read widely and, you know, uh, do not go to the, you know, tried and tested centres, but, mm-hmm. you know, centres that are risky, that you don't know about, but which you struggle for meaning. Again, you know, I'm, I'm very big on that, that kind of struggle.
0: Um, great. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. Nazri. Uh, Mukoma, what, what what would be your few words to share?
3: Well, yeah, first, I'm, I'm in agreement uh, with, with Nazri about, about the you know going back to that spirit of the bandung conferences right mm-hmm. and that sort of you um, know and and, and 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 global south solidarities right mm-hmm. you know that, that sort of um, even from our conversation mm-hmm. today we connected on so many points around language you know british colonialism uh, but i think but I think that the advantage of global south spaces is that we also it does allow us to talk about resistance, right you know, mm-hmm. you know and, yep. and, 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 you know, and, and us as as people who are resisting and our, and our agencies um, yeah so um I, I, would, I would say for me that where I think uh we can all be most useful is in also decolonizing uh literary theory. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so which is to say that, um, you know, and this is something I ask myself all the time why don't I use African philosophical concepts to read mm-hmm. African literature, for mm-hmm. example, right? You know, so, it, and, I, and I grew up in post colonial theory. I mean, that's that's my field, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but um, just to give an example, we have this concept called ituyeka amongst the ekoyo, which means break. Mm-hmm. it's a, it's a concept that 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 gets invoked or used to get invoked when society when things are gotten so bad right that the youth would, would tell the elders hey people you know <laughs> things are so bad now we have to invoke it to it, right so it's it's the basis mm-hmm. of revolution where okay. can we use that uh to talk about you know yeah you know concepts of revolution in let's say a grain of wheat mm-hmm. um but then also an example i like to give uh, when i was growing up um one of my neighbors was a woman who was married to a woman right okay. because because amongst the ekoyo uh mm. woman to man woman man marriages were allowed mm. only of course it was a long very patriarchal line so one woman yep. became a de facto man right but even mm. then like why can not we use a woman to man marriages as a as a way of talking let's say about lgbtq issues because it's already there right yeah um so but i but but i would say i would say That where the real innovation and originality will be, especially for, I'm assuming, we're we're talking to younger people now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sure, yeah. uh, Yeah, we'll be be in going back to our cultures and using our cultures to to understand our societies and and the literature we are producing and so on and so forth. And, And of course, translation.
0: Um, I like that I, as as a translator myself. When you ended on the translation note, it's all thumbs up for me. Yeah. Um, thank <laughs> you, thank you, Mukoma, um, Juvita. Um, any any thoughts you'd like to share? Any messages to yeah to people who just like to uh, be more be, be more cognizant and proactive in addressing or thinking about decolonizing in literature?
2: Yeah, so I I, I totally agree with uh, Nazri and Mukoma. Um, on their points earlier and i think uh, for for us um, our our challenge uh, in the context of our communities right now it's really about having um, even even folks in my generation mm-hmm. uh, what more the next generation in in reflecting about about who who we are and where we came from mm-hmm. and i think it's more about um, not not being uh, blind and, and comfortable in, in what's going on. And because mm-hmm. because I think it's so easy, um, you know, coming from, from a history where, or from communities where uh, you were, uh, you know, my father was taught to leave the longhouse in order to find mm-hmm. a, a, be- a better life. Um, and now that we've gotten to this point, what does the better life look like for us yeah. and for our communities? You know, uh, uh, loggings happening, land grabbing is happening. You know, a lot of yeah. other issues are happening. And how is that the better life? You know, and I think it's it's now important for our communities to, if we want to to um, understand who we are and where we're going, and uh, I think it's very important for us to. To take a step back and and um, and look at, at mm-hmm. where where we where we've come and uh, and learn from from what has happened in the past because uh, the 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 uh, the decolonizing questions that we've been talking about comes down to ourselves right now you know it's back yep. to us to, yep. to to decide you know do we want to be blind to it are, mm-hmm. are we going to leave just just enjoy living down this path or do we want to take back control and and say hey you know what my language is beautiful my culture is beautiful and Mm -hmm. um, i want to be able to share that proudly Mm not being shaved uh, you know from, from yep. uh, mm-hmm. all the literature that's already been written about us um, mm-hmm. uh, by white explorers anyway. And you know it's time mm-hmm. for us to take that and, and think about mm-hmm. how we can contribute in writing about stories of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, that's that's the way I see it.
0: Uh, thank you, Thank you, Juvita and uh, I think we've reached uh, the end of our time today. Um, thank you, Juvita, Nazri, and Mukoma. It's been a real honour no, and a pleasure yeah. to be and, in this and, and, space. And, and, sorry, go. Yes.
3: No, okay. sorry, I was going to say and thank you for moderating. Right? <laughs> thank, you for, You're welcome. thank you for the moderation and the questions. And also, um, I like the title a lot. This page is not your colony. I mean, you know, it's such a great cool for the panel, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So awesome. great. Yeah. yeah.
0: thank you so much. You. And really, like, I hope our conversations can continue. And I'm just so heartened at the possibilities, hopefully, um, yeah. If when when everything else maybe uh, falls uh, on to the wayside, uh, hopefully literature can can light a path and show the way. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you so right, much. Bye. Nice, thank nice thank meeting you. everyone. Yeah. Right, bye. Thank
0: you, Adriana. Thank you. Thank